Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of October 15, 2023. Here are some announcements for the next couple of weeks. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its social hour on Wednesday, October 18, from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. The number is 669-900-6833, and the code is 763-689-4411. The Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will hold its next Low Vision Support Group meeting on Zoom on Wednesday, October 18, at 8 p.m. The... Zoom number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972. The fall season is packed with all kinds of sports events. There's college and pro football, baseball's getting ready for the World Series, basketball fans are anxiously awaiting the start of the season, and of course high school games are full of fun every week. Today, the sports highlights on TV also include stories on volleyball and soccer and other games that weren't even covered much in the past. On Friday, October 20, GLCB invites everyone to talk sports with us at Roundabout. This is a hybrid event, so come to UCHM 150 South State Street in Louisville from 4.30 to 8.30 p.m., or join us on Zoom from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. We'll enjoy pizza at 5 and socialize with friends until 6.30 when we join the Zoom line. To sign up for pizza and to let us know that you want to carry out, call us at 502-895-4598. Remember to make return rides if you're coming in person between 8.45 and 9 p.m. Tri-State Library users will hold its book club and business meeting on Saturday, October 21, at 11 a.m. on Zoom on the main line. The book we are reading this month is Death by Jack-O-Lantern, an Abby McCree mystery by Alexis Morgan. It is available on both Bookshare and Bard, so start reading now and join us for our Halloween meeting. The next meeting of the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana is scheduled for Monday, October 23 on the main Zoom line. The meeting begins at 7 p.m., so please come and share experiences about your guide dog, ask questions, or share concerns. There's a change happening in Roundabout on the fourth Friday of the month. Page Turners will be there for the first hour. So come share good books or tell us about those books that you don't like and would never read again. The second hour will give us a chance to talk technology, apps, skills, computers for work or play. Be sure to come to the October 27 roundabout for both page turners sponsored by the Tri-State Library users and Tech Talk brought to you by Roundabout by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. The Zoom number is 669-900-6833 and the code is 862-9889-6972.
White Cane Safety Day this year was celebrated at the McDowell Center in Louisville on Thursday, October 12. The center, along with the American Printing House for the Blind, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind, and others, partnered to bring this fun event to the community. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there were plenty of activities and much warm, sunny weather to make the day cheery and fun. The day began in the center cafeteria with opening remarks by Helga Gilbert and Heidi Kesterson from the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. And an excellent program on the history of the white cane was given by the American Printing House for the Blind. Tables were set up outside for participating vendors, and we all went out to enjoy the sun and share information at 11. Lunch was at noon. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind provided hot dogs for grilling, APH brought chips and cookies, and Bennett and Bloom supplied the cool beverages. Cornhole and cards and other games kept everyone busy until about 2 p.m. It was one of the best white cane days ever. We thought you, our listeners, might enjoy learning a little more about the history of the white cane. So listen on page 2 to the presentation from the printing house about how this most helpful mobility aid came to be and how it has changed over the years to give us the many options for travel that we have today. The 2023 KCB Conference and Convention is coming up on November 17, 18, and 19. It's our 50th convention, our Golden Jubilee, and you are invited to come and enjoy our celebration. Registration is now open for the convention. Listen on page 3 to learn about the programming, exhibits, food, fun, and friends that are coming up that weekend. The convention is hybrid, in person at the Best Western Louisville East Inn and Suites, with much of the programming also virtual on Zoom and streamed on the RadioStorm.com. Discover how KCB members can receive a stipend to attend the convention. A great golden jubilee, celebrating 50 years of accomplishments. Listen to sound prints in many different ways. We're heard 12 times each week on ACB Media One. Listen there by using the ACB Link app on your iPhone or on your Alexa device by asking her to open ACB Media and then choosing number one when prompted. You can also listen on your Victor Reader Stream by searching for sound prints in the Victor Stream database. Find sound prints in the list of podcasts in the ACB Link app. Listen anytime, 24 hours a day, on the Kentucky Information Line by calling 773-572-6318. Be sure to check the opening menu for available shows. We have begun posting some shows from the recent past in addition to the most recent program. For more information about Soundprints, to comment on a recent show, or make a suggestion for a future topic, and to request a free subscription on CD, playable on any standard CD player, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind at 502-895-4598. Page 2 
In case you haven't heard it enough already today, I would like to welcome you to this White Cane Day celebration. Throughout the day's festivities, you will have the opportunity to connect with countless individuals and organizations committed to empowering people who are blind or low vision by providing accessible and innovative products, materials, and services for lifelong success. So I'm truly humbled to be a part of the educational portion and to kick off today's festivities. My name is Erin Sigmund and I work as the Community Relations Advisor at the American Printing House for the Blind. I am a white-sided young woman with long red hair wearing an APH branded polo and some jeans. At APH, we believe that the future belongs to everyone. And while this day is ultimately a celebration of your accessible future and the mobility device that leads you into that future, I thought for education today, we'd simply begin White Cane Day with a touchable journey into the past, discovering together some of the origins of the White Cane and delighting in the innovation of the White Cane's design and its symbolic role for blind and low vision communities. So as you might know or imagine, staffs, walking sticks, canes, and other mobility devices have existed throughout human history. The very first of these devices were made of common materials like wood or bamboo. But these devices were most often found or fashioned for the purpose of support rather than probing. But of, of course, ancient individuals surely innovated individualized techniques for using their staff and canes in ways that made sense for them. But these staffs and canes, however helpful to prevent collisions or falls, did not yet yield power on behalf of the pedestrian. And always, in the case of an impending cart or a drive of livestock, the cane user had best get out of the road, right? <laughs> so despite having many different styles of canes before me, which we'll get to touch throughout the presentation, uh, purely out of spite, I didn't bring any ancient wood or bamboo staffs with me today. <laughs> So you'll just have to imagine their smooth, bony, and slightly unhelpful legs. <laughs> but then, just over 100 years ago, the innovation of one blind man laid the foundation for the modern white cane, a powerful symbol of independence and autonomy. Born in 1912 in the United Kingdom, Mr. James Biggs lost his sight due to an accident sometime in his youth. And despite the unique difficulties of growing up blind in the early 20th century, Biggs' life was defined by his visual artistry displayed in his photography trade and, and his contributions to the well-being of blind and low-vision individuals. Perhaps most notably, in 1921, Biggs worried about the busy traffic that he was encountering while navigating his hometown of Bristol. 
But overcoming this completely understandable anxiety, Biggs decided that he was going to innovate rather than retreat. And he did so by painting his walking stick a bright white, making it more visible to others and enhancing his safety as a pedestrian, particularly when navigating streets shared now with motor vehicles, bicycles, and the lingering horse and buggy. This simple yet ingenious act of painting his cane white marked the birth of the modern white cane, a symbol of independence and mobility for blind and low vision people, and a useful tool for raising awareness about the needs and rights of people who are low vision or blind everywhere, even here across the pond. Here in America in 1930, Biggs's white cane began to catch on like wildfire. George Bonham was the president of the Peoria, Illinois Lions Club, and he further innovated the white cane. He added features like a red band, a large crook, and a straight metal tip. And so I'm gonna start passing around some examples of what that first cane may have looked and felt like. It's got a crooked handle made out of wood, has a metal tip, and you can feel that the paint is starting to chip off, which is probably <laughs> something that folks who utilized this cane based on Biggs and Bonham's design had to deal with throughout their lives. It reminds me a little bit of a shepherd's staff with that prominent crook at the top. And it's much shorter than the white canes that we're used to today. As, remember, we talked about the first canes were mostly meant for leading, for mobility, not for probing. And so that's part of the reason that cane is so short and stacked. It really was meant to lean on, and it was meant with its painted white to tell other folks in the road, get away, I'm walking here. So like I said, notice um, we're passing around a cane similar to Bonham's design. Notice its short length, large crook, and painted wood length. When Bottoms Lions Club chapter began making and distributing their versions of the white cane, like the one you're passing around now, Peoria politicians paid attention. And they passed a law granting white cane users the right away to cross the street. So this time, in the case of an impending cart or a drive of livestock, it may still have been in the white cane user's best interest to get out of the way, but at least in Peoria, the pedestrian now has the choice to proceed to cross in power, and the cart driver is expected and held accountable to pay attention and to yield. Due to the success as a symbol, primarily for motorists and other sighted folks sharing the road, Bonham's design was increasingly popularized. First, spreading through other chapters, the Lions Club initiated a national campaign to promote the usage of the white cane and to provide guidelines for proper design and usage. But at the same time, a parallel innovation was taking part in Paris, France. And I love this part because we have a woman 
writer, musician, and inventor. But I have to be honest, I can't pronounce her name. <laughs> I want to say it's something like Gilly de <laughs> Just kind of the way coming, we say we live in Louisville, we swallow it. I anticipate her last name is swallowed a bit. But she was a writer, musician, and innovator. And she had this one experience that inspired her to start working on the white cane in France. She experienced the nerve-wracking perils while helping a group of blind people cross a Parisian boulevard, and at one point in that journey, encountering a motorist, which nearly knocked her and the crossing group over. She became increasingly concerned about the dangers of increased motorization on the streets of France. And so in 1930, Gilly made note of the white signal sticks that Parisian police used to regulate traffic and to stop cars. Eventually, she wrote an editorial letter suggesting that blind or low vision pedestrians should carry the same white stick, or perhaps just paint their traveling canes white to draw the same attention as they travel. This letter kicked off a national white stick movement as the World Line Union began recommending this innovation to be used globally to governments across the world. And in 1931, Gilly symbolically presented the first two French white canes, similar to the canes you just had. She presented these to the first two French, or excuse me, to a blind veteran and a blind civilian in a pompous ceremony in front of several prime ministers and lots of pomp and circumstance. Then after that ceremony, the distribution of thousands of white canes to French civilians followed. At this point, the in the history of the innovation of the white cane, the white cane was really just primarily a symbol. Sure, the bearer of the white cane had special protections under the law, but there was not much innovation beyond making the connection of that striking white color that policemen used in France. Foot travel, as it was called in those days, we might call it orientation and mobility, was not yet a skill being taught to children in schools for the blind or to adults in rehabilitation programs. And there was no centralized or regulated suggestions on techniques for utilizing the white cane in travel. It was just suggested that you had one. That's it, that's where it ended. But like many important innovations throughout all of history, with war came new problems, but also came new ideas. So in World War I France, Gilly's campaign for the white plane flourished amid both an increase of motorization in the streets and an increase of French blinded veterans. And these new motors, uh, these new cars in the streets also lacked headlights and other illumination, making the streets even more dangerous. 
And later, in the middle of World War II, the American military hospitals faced their own new type of crisis. Their wards were filling with soldiers returning from war with serious eye injuries at an unprecedented rate. And attempting to mitigate this crisis, the War Department designated Valley Forge General Hospital in Pennsylvania. I'm a Pennsylvania girl, so I'm glad to see you come up in the history. They designated Valley Forge General Hospital as one of two hospitals specially designed to treat blinded casualties and blinded injuries. Not only attending to their injuries medically, but also providing careful rehabilitation services to promote lifelong success. Although the Veterans Administration would ultimately be responsible for working with blinded veterans after their discharge from Valley Forge, the decision was made to begin robust rehabilitation as soon as possible from the hospital. Therefore, these instructors named Richard Hoover and Warren Bledsoe were transferred to Valley Forge in 1944. And they thought that the most pressing need was for instruction which taught these blinded veterans how to get around town when they finally returned home. Innovating on the existing white cane now utilized by blind and low vision people all around the world, Hoover and Bledsoe experimented with new cane styles and techniques, eventually developing a technique of cane use which involved a long, lightweight, rigid cane used as a sweeping probe in front rather than as a bumper as we walk along. This style of cane and accompanying technique became the basis of modern orientation and mobility training that redefined the white cane. This technique redefined the white cane from primarily a symbol for sighted people to a powerful device for use in independent travel among blind and low vision individuals. As the white cane began to be adopted as a symbol for independence and autonomy among blind and low vision communities, innovation continued. Today, there are many styles of white canes made from many materials. And I know that because I saw a variety of canes coming in the room today. <laughs> Perhaps you yourselves have tried a few different varieties and found a favorite for certain circumstances. And I'd just like to share a brief overview of this history of innovation with you through the canes themselves. First, building on the work of Hoover and Bledsoe, the Veterans Administration was guided by the work of Russell Williams, a blinded veteran himself, who went on to head the Rehabilitation Hospital in Hines, Illinois. He designed a rigid aluminum cane with a small aluminum hook, a rubber golf club type grip, and a straight nylon tip. Williams called it the Typhlocane, and the Typhlocane's small crook was designed to prevent, to protect the hand during use, and provided convenient storage. In fact, 
Some users of the Typhlo cane simply hung their cane from the back of their collar when they were exercising it. No. And we'll pass this around, so if you have a collar and you want to try that out, right? <laughs> so we'll pass these around, and you can see they're made of a similar material. Have the aluminum hook and grip. See if you can balance it in the back of your shirt. Why would you put it in the back? Why would you put it in the back? I know, I don't get the back part. Oh, okay, go ahead. Right. I'm keeping that to so as we pass that around, that was one of the first innovations. But later, other manufacturers introduced things that you are familiar with, like folding canes that broke down into one or two segments. We have some examples of some folding canes. Holds down in two seconds. We're going to pass it forward. And then we also had telescoping canes that collapsed from the handle. This one likes to get stuck, so I'm going to pass it along. Fully telescoped, so you can feel the ridges. And break at the most inconvenient times. <laughs> When you're ready to step down, I need to What I don't have an example of is my favorite. One of the innovations, right, that came along next was canes that glowed in the dark. Telescopic. And canes made from more dynamic materials like graphite, fiberglass, steel, wood, or carbon fiber. With each innovation, and I'm just going to pass out a variety of canes here. Sure. Take a couple. And these are, we've got one more telescopic cane and a couple just straight canes that you're likely used to. And I think we've all noticed they're a lot longer than that original cane I passed out, right? <laughs> That's that Hoover Bledsoe motion. Went lengthened that cane. With every innovation that you are passing around, take a picture. No, 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 no. Mom, right down. Over to your left. Of every kind of use. Oh, there you go. Yeah, my God, Things that you're noticing about the canes we're passing around. Shout one. it out. One, 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 some of them have no tactile feedback, others have a lot of tactile feedback, depending on which one you got. I heard heavy and light. So we have different innovations that different folks individualized for their preferences as they were learning. Any other things that surprised you or interested you? The different grip handles? Yeah, I was really surprised by the grip handles too. 
I was, it was interesting for me to learn that the golf grip handle was like so early in innovation. Who knew? I forget, golf is old. <laughs> Wonderful. So continue to enjoy those, and we'll chat just a little bit more about each, each innovation. So with each innovation, blind and low vision communities continued to have conversations and sometimes conflict regarding the best design for such important symbols. And still today, as you likely know, there is still a tension between form and function, symbolism and practicality. Some less divisive things, innovations that you noticed were the different types of tips, which range from the steel glide tips that resembled a chair foot, to nylon balls, to mushrooms and marshmallows. And we have an example of each of those, so feel free to check the bottom of the cane and see what tip you're holding. While each cane style found a different audience depending on its features, most, however, were still wrapped or painted in a reflective white material and now featured a bright red band at their foot. While I'm a, I'm a, I'm a museum educator today, so an orientation and mobility specialist can help determine what shaft and tip styles work best according to your lifestyle. All canes and tips, when swept across the ground, should hopefully provide some sort of important tactile feedback. But as some of you mentioned, some had far less than the ones that were innovative later on. The cane hits against obstacles to let folks know when they're approaching uneven ground, like a curb or a set of stairs. Just going through briefly the variety of modern canes and tips that we sent, that we just passed around. We passed around an aluminum straight cane from Howl Mobility. It was a rigid, hollowed aluminum tube, golf putter grip, wrapped in a scotch-like material that's reflective, and a red band on the tip. It has a pencil tip or a standard tip, and that's great because you can easily swap out that tip if you want something else. <laughs> Very standard, but easy to not bend so or break, and hard to store when not in use, and maybe swapping the tips isn't as easy as they like to say. <laughs> then we, uh, we also pass around, or will pass around, a graphite folding cane. It's similar in its details, but it folds down to a small package secured by elastic wrist strap. Space-age materials make it more durable and harder to break. We also pass around the fiberglass 50-50 cane from NFB. It's painted a reflective white, and it breaks in half secured closely by a wrist strap, and it's plated steel glide tip with rubber foot, and its staff is rigid. NFB traditionally championed the use of a rigid white cane, noting that blind people had no need to hide their blindness by hiding their cane when not in use. But consumer demand, however, for canes that were easier to tuck away on a bus or while seated resulted in this foldable compromise. You can fold it, but only enough to store it more easily without making it disappear into a tiny package. The fiberglass material made the cane lighter 
and more durable. And today, users can get a variety of canes in lots of different styles and materials from NFT. And in terms of the tips, you might have noticed red and white ball tips. They're the same. They just have different colors. Um, and the ball tip was originally designed for rural travel over broken ground. And testing demonstrated that that large ball could be useful in urban environments as well, helping to avoid pavement cracks, which might trap a standard tip. We also showed marshmallow tips in red and white. The only difference is the color. And uh, that marshmallow tip was designed for urban travel. It's shaped sliding over cracks and obstructions without catching. It's also the red nylon mushroom tip. This is a variation on that marshmallow side style, also designed for urban travel, designed to slide over cracks that might catch even the marshmallow. And then a roller tip, white nylon with a ball bearing. The roller tip allows the user to roll the tip from side to side without lifting off the ground, supposedly not as tiring with less friction. So despite such a rich history of innovation and individualization, the truth that we all know too well in this room, the truth remains that still some people assume a white cane symbolizes a person's inability to travel independently. However, today we celebrate the White King Day to challenge that such an understanding. And we say that that understanding can't be further from the truth. By tapping or sweeping a, a cane across pavement, people who are blind and low vision can trust in its ability to keep them safe, providing for increased independence and autonomy in travel and life. To this end, a few years back, the American Printing House for the Blind asked some local and not so local white cane users where they had traveled with their cane. And I'd like to share just a few of my favorites. Sarah said she traveled a 26 mile urban hike through San Diego twice. Arthur said that his white cane brought him on the stage of Carnegie Hall in New York, singing in a performance of Mahler's Eighth Symphony. Carrie said that her white cane brought her, or him, on the ocean floor at low tide and on the highest tides in the world at the Bay of Fundy in New Brunswick, Canada. Jessica said, with the help of my white cane, I was able to travel down busy streets of Morelia, Mexico, and while I was there, I attended my aunt and uncle's wedding. And Kyle said that he brought his white cane into the flooded catacombs across under Alexandria, Egypt, which sounds a little creepy and spooky to me, but I'm glad you had fun, Kyle. And finally, Kathleen said, in Bali, my hotel room was in a multi-story building at, along a mountainside. The path from the top floor restaurant down to our room was rocky, steep, and thoroughly marked with stairs. These were uneven and unpredictable until I memorized the layout with my white cane. Learning from the storied history of the white cane and these accounts 
from a not-so-distant past. I am confident to celebrate today that the white cane can get you where you need to go, however you need to get there, beginning with the rest of our festivities today. So in just a moment, you'll be invited to step out beyond the doors and head outside to explore a variety of vendors, empowering people who are blind or low vision by providing their accessible products, materials, and services. Then after you grab some lunch, feel free to participate in recreation, activities happening outside, or I will have a craft white cane activity happening inside in this room. And that activity is all about celebrating the individuality and independence afforded by the white cane. So I'm gonna speak, I'm a sighted person, I'm gonna speak to the sighted people in the room. If you're a sighted person like me, next time you see someone with a cane, appreciate the cane for what it is, a tool that promotes independence and autonomy. Educate yourself and family and friends on white cane etiquette. Um, I have got my card available if you need some tips, uh, but really we know it comes down to basic respect and advocate on behalf of white cane safety laws. Kentucky has had a white cane safety law since I wanna say like the 1950s, early 1950s. And if you're a white cane user or learning to use a white cane, may you feel celebrated today. May you embrace this rich history of innovation and independence. And perhaps may you feel empowered and inspired to continue to learn white cane techniques to travel, and to advocate on behalf of white cane safety laws to your local lawmakers by sharing your story of where you've been and all the places you will go. Page three, from the Kentucky Council of the Blind, KCB Golden Jubilee, 50 Years of Accomplishments, Kentucky Council of the Blind, 50th Annual Conference and Convention, November 17 to 19, 2023. Diamond Sponsor, Louisville Downtown Lions Club. Ruby Sponsor, Lula Dotson Legacy. Sapphire Sponsor, Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. Opal Sponsor, Louisville East Lions Club. Amethyst Sponsor, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, Turquoise Sponsor, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana. The 50th Annual Conference and Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind is Friday, November 17 to Sunday, November 29. It is in person at the Best Western Louisville East Inn and Suites, 9802 Bunsen Way in Louisville. The convention will also be virtual on the Zoom platform and live-streamed on theradiostorm.com. Our theme is KCB Golden Jubilee, 50 Years of Accomplishments, and you are invited to join our action-packed weekend. This is your opportunity to learn about the latest technology, discover healthy living strategies, find helpful resources and services, and take a look back in time to learn about KCB's work on behalf of people who are blind and visually impaired. If you can't join us in person, 
The Zoom option will let you participate actively from home in much of our programming by connecting on your computer or calling from any landline or cell phone. The convention will also be broadcast on the Internet on the RadioStorm.com, but this option is listen only. The registration desk will open in the hotel lobby on Friday, November 17 at 10.30 a.m. If you pre-register your conference badge and program in large print, braille, or digital format will be waiting for you. For a digital program, be sure to bring an SD card or flash drive. Programs will be emailed to virtual attendees by Thursday, November 16. If you do not pre-register, you may do so at the hotel. The celebration lunch is at noon, followed by an afternoon filled with programs and exhibits on services, technology, low vision, resources, and much more. The James F. Shaw Golden Jubilee Banquet is at 6 p.m. The speaker will be Deb Cook-Lewis, President of the American Council of the Blind from Clarkston, Washington. The evening will also include life member and sponsor recognitions, presentation of KCB awards, and more. Breakfast will be available from 7 to 10 a.m. in the hotel lobby on Saturday morning. Programs and exhibits begin at 9, and the leadership lunch is at noon. The annual KCB business meeting and election is at 12.30, and the afternoon will be filled with more information, technology, history, exhibits, and news you can use. Clark Rackville ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs from Alexandria, Virginia, will update us on the many aspects of ACB's advocacy on behalf of all people with vision loss. The Achieving Excellence Dinner at 6 will feature a speaker and the annual parade of KCB chapters. This is a wonderful opportunity to learn about the work of our chapters over the past year and to discover new ways you can participate in the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Following breakfast in the hotel lobby, the Morning Glory Memorial Service will return to its traditional time at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Participate in person or on Zoom as we share memories of KCB members whom we have lost during the past year. Registration Information Although you can listen to much of our programming on the Radio Storm, the only way you can actively participate in the conference is to register as an in-person or virtual Zoom attendee. To pre-register, call the Kentucky Council of the Blind office at 502-895-4598 with your credit or debit card information. Register online at www.kentucky-acb.org or complete the enclosed pre-registration form and mail with your check made payable to the Kentucky Council of the Blind to KCB at 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky 40206. Pre-registration closes on Friday, November 10. You may register after this date 
but pre-registration discounts do not apply. If you register as a virtual attendee, you will receive Zoom links and dial-in telephone numbers so that you not only can listen, but also can ask questions, participate in discussion, win door prizes, and vote in elections if you are a KCB member. Virtual Zoom registration is $20. The two-day best value in-person package includes all programs, exhibits, meetings, and meals. $50 pre-registration, $60 after November 10. One-day in-person package, Friday or Saturday, includes the day's events and meals, $30 pre-registration, $35 after November 10. Conference in-person registration includes programs and exhibits, but no meals, $20 pre-registration. Door Prizes Help make the weekend fun by donating a door prize. Cash or gift cards are best because they are easy to mail if the winner is a virtual attendee. Call us at 502-895-4598 before November 10 to let us know you wish to donate a door prize. Your donation will be acknowledged at the convention, in the convention newsletter, and on Soundprints. KCB's weekly audio magazine. Convention Exhibitors If you sell a product or provide a service, we invite you to become an exhibitor at our convention. Speaking opportunities for exhibitors and major sponsors are limited and may be both in-person and virtual. For rates and more information, visit the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Be a conference sponsor. Show your support for KCB's good work. Make a tax-deductible contribution and become a conference sponsor. Major sponsors will be listed prominently on the first page of the official program. All sponsors will be recognized throughout the convention and on our website, in our newsletter, and on Soundprints, KCB's weekly podcast. Become a sponsor by calling the Kentucky Council of the Blind Office at 502-895-4598 or checking the appropriate item on the pre-registration form. Jubilee sponsors include Jade, $15, Amber, $25, Turquoise, $50, Amethyst, $100, Opal, $200, Emerald, $300, Sapphire, $500, Ruby, $1,000, and Diamond, $1,500. We offer the following opportunities for sponsors who wish to present at no additional cost. Amethyst, Opal, and Emerald, 15 minutes. Sapphire, Ruby, and Diamond, 30 minutes. Include payment with your conference registration. Hotel accommodations. Hotel accommodations are available at the Best Western Louisville East Inn and Suites, 
9802 Bunsen Way in Louisville. Rates are $94 a night plus tax for up to four people per room. Rooms are spacious and have microwaves, small refrigerators, coffee makers, and free coffee for your convenience. Free breakfast in the lobby and free use of the indoor swimming pool and fitness center are included with your night stay. Subject to availability, rooms may be upgraded to business suites at no additional charge. Check-in time is 3 p.m. and check-out is 11 a.m. Call the Best Western at 502-499-0000 by November 10 to make reservations. Be sure to let them know you are with the Kentucky Council of the Blind in order to receive our convention rate. Convention Stipends The KCB Conference and Convention is packed with opportunities and information that only come round once each year. We know that the cost of attending the convention is much higher for members who live outside the metropolitan Louisville area, and we want to help members from out in the state to be there. KCB is offering a $100 stipend to every member who travels to convention from outside the metro Louisville area. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is offering a $25 stipend for members who live in the metro area. To be eligible for a stipend, you must be a member of KCB and you must attend both days of the convention. Request the stipend when you pre-register. Stipend checks will be available at the close of the convention on Saturday evening. Nominating Committee KCB will elect its five directors at its 2023 conference and convention. Directors may serve for two consecutive terms. Directors are expected to attend monthly conference call meetings of the KCB board, attend KCB events such as the conference and convention, participate in KCB chapters when possible, and serve on committees as requested by the president. If you are interested in running for an office, contact Debbie Dethridge, Nominating Committee Chair, at 502-594-9606 or dmd40206 at gmail.com by November 1. Other members of the committee are Eldon Kaiser, Cave City, and Jerry Slusher, Covington. The nominating committee will submit a slate of candidates for your consideration. Nominations will also be accepted from the floor. Any individual nominated from the floor must either be present or must submit in writing and in advance a statement of his or her willingness to serve. More information. If you have questions, call us at 502-895-4598 or email kcb at kentucky-acb.org. KCB Golden Jubilee 50 Years of Accomplishments, Kentucky Council of the Blind Registration Form. Use this form to register for the 2023 KCB Conference and Convention with your debit or credit card. Or call KCB at 502-895-4598 
to register by phone with your debit or credit card or to make arrangements to pay by check. If registering with a check, make payable to the Kentucky Council of the Blind and mail by November 10 to 148 Vernon Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. Register by November 10 to take advantage of pre-registration discounts. You may register after November 10 or at the conference, but pre-registration discounts do not apply. Pay the lower price when you pre-register. Please print clearly. Name, address, city, state, zip, home phone, cell phone, email. Membership. KCB 2024 Membership, $8. KCB Life Membership, $40. Join KCB Chapters. Eastern Kentucky, 0 Greater Louisville, $2. Northern Kentucky, 0 Savvy, Owensboro, $2. SCKCB, Bowling Green, $10. Guide Dog Users, $15. KCB Next Generation, members under 40, $10. Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, $15. Tri-State Library Users, $12. Subscriptions. Send the KCB newsletter in large print, audio CD, email, or cancel. Send the ACB Braille Forum in large print, audio, NLS cartridge, Braille, email, or cancel. Send the Soundprints Audio Magazine each week on Audio CD. Yes, no, or cancel. Subscribe me to the KCB News email list. Yes, no, or remove from list. Subscribe me to the KCB Events email list. Yes, no, or remove from list. Important details. Check all spaces that apply. I use a guide dog. I use a wheelchair or scooter. I prefer vegetarian meal options. I have other special needs. Please call me. I will donate a door prize. I am a member and am requesting a stipend to attend the convention. Two-day registration and attendance required. I prefer my convention program in Braille, large print, email, digital files, pre-registration. All attendees must register. Save money when you pre-register by November 10 and choose a one or two day registration package. Virtual Zoom registration includes links and dial-in numbers, $20.00. Two-day best value in-person package includes all meals, programs, exhibits, and meetings, $50, pre-registration $60 after November 10. Friday in-person package includes Friday meals, programs, and exhibits, $30 or $35. 
Saturday in-person package includes all Saturday meals, programs, exhibits, and meetings, $30 and $35. Conference in-person registration, no meals, $20. Conference sponsor, Jade, $15, Amber, $25, Turquoise, $50, Amethyst, $100, Opal, $200, Emerald, $300, Sapphire, $500, Ruby, $1,000, or Diamond, $1,500 total. This concludes the reading of the information for the KCB Golden Jubilee 50 Years of Accomplishments 2023 Conference and Convention. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I